podcast is provided for general information and for general information purposes only and does not replace your financial, tax, legal or finance product advice. Hello everyone and welcome to The Female Investor, your chance to listen to two of Australia's leading property experts talking about all things property buying, finance, strategy and lots more. Kate Hill and Nicola McDougall are the authors of the book The Female Investor, Creating Wealth, Security and Freedom Through Property. Kate is an award-winning property mentor and coach, a qualified property investment advisor and founder of buyer's agency, Advisable. And she's a successful property investor herself. Nicola is an award-winning and prolific property journalist. She has been involved in property research, analysis and reporting for 15 years. And she is also a successful property investor herself. Property investment is one of the simplest, safest and preferred ways for women to create financial freedom. And with the right information to make an educated and informed decision, this can be achieved. If you know a woman who is concerned about her financial future, or maybe that's you. If you're keen to improve your chances of creating an income for life, then this is your place to learn, be inspired and motivated. Along with some special guests, Kate and Nicola will be offering genuine practical news and tips to women of any age to stake your claim on the property market. So come on, ladies, stay tuned and let's do this together. Hello, all you lovely ladies out there. How is everyone doing? Is everyone okay? Let me know. Today, I have got a couple of different segments for you as usual. The first is a conversation between our very good friend, Tina Howes from Smart Move. And Tina and I are talking about all those things that drive property growth. Following that, I've got a segment for you on all your latest property news. So stay tuned. Hello, everyone. I'm here again with Tina House from SmartMove, one of Australia's leading and most award-winning mortgage broking firms. And this time around, Tina has come to ask me for my insights as a qualified property investment advisor about some burning property and property investing questions. So, Tina, tell us why we're here. What are you going to ask me today? <laughs> I got so much out of our conversation about oh. what makes a good investment. Okay. And I'm really keen to delve further into that and cover off, I guess, what drives growth. I mean, mm. it's, it's the key question, right? That's what everyone wants in property. And, you know, the last couple of years through the pandemic, we've just seen phenomenal growth mm-hmm. uh, in property prices. So, yes. keen yes. to explore that further and really pick your brain. Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm actually quite glad that you've just mentioned the whole pandemic thing because I've spent a little bit of time over the past year or so kind of issuing words of caution, if you like, because seemingly every area in Australia went completely bang- gangbusters in terms of property price growth. I think there is definitely room for words of caution because for the long term, we need to understand what has driven that price growth and When you come to buy a property or an investment property, you really need to understand whether that those growth drivers or that particular growth driver is sustainable long term, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I guess if we if we can assume, and you thank you for your lovely comment at the start there. I got I always get a lot out of our conversations too. But if we can assume, everyone, that you've listened to our chat about what makes a good investment. And you've had some expert advice about 
areas, property types that are good for you personally, then obviously keep on listening. If you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to that one first before I hit pause on this one and go back and listen to that one. It sounds kind of obvious, but this, it's, it's absolutely critical to your success as, pro- as, as a property buyer, as a property investor, right? Mm-hmm. It always needs to be in an area that has the best chance of capital growth. I can't stress that enough. And it has the best chance because of demand. People want to live there. And you need to buy the right property type for that area and those local people who live there, right? So the property needs to be in demand because people want to live in your property, right? Yeah. But you need to understand what makes an area desirable and desirable long-term and what makes your property desirable and desirable long-term for the local people who live there, not for you, for the local Mm -hmm. people who live there, right? Again, it's all about supply and demand, right? So where does the demand come from and why? So back to location. Think about things like infrastructure. So what is being built there and why is it being built, right? So there are infrastructure projects and infrastructure projects. It's not quite the sort of the, you know, not all of them are created equal. Mm -hmm. But think about established infrastructure that's there already. It is key to make sure that an area is fit to thrive because of infrastructure that is already there. And the other sign is, and the thing to look out for, which can suggest that an area has potential to grow, is the evidence of future spending on additional local infrastructure projects. So I'm talking about things like schools, hospitals, roads, universities, TAFE campuses. They are all evidence of a growing and thriving population. They are evidence that the local government and the council are preparing for growth Uh from population, from more people. Now, infrastructure, new infrastructure projects create jobs. They Uh create vibrancy. Again, it depends on the project, right? So if you think about certainly here in Australia, somewhere like Western Sydney, the Penrith area, the Liverpool Council area, even Campbelltown, they are all benefiting from what the single biggest infrastructure project in Australia at the moment, which is the new airport out at Badgeries Creek. There are billions being spent out there on everything that I've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. Clarify this for me. The infrastructure will have a time frame and yes. eventually the infrastructure will be built. Those yes. jobs will cease. Yes. But presumably the infrastructure is being built because the government has some kind of scheme of where the growth in population is going Mm. out towards there and that's why Mm -hmm. the infrastructure is being built. Mm -hmm. Is that a fair assumption? Yes. Um, Again, it will depend on the project, right? So, for example, in Brisbane City, there's a lot of road building going on and tunnel digging partly in Melbourne as well, also out in Sydney, Western Sydney. Now, it's not just about, it's partly because of a growing population, but it's also from a lifestyle perspective, the 
making people's lives a little bit easier. Okay, so if you're thinking about Morton Bay, for example, in the north of Brisbane, mm-hmm. the infrastructure, the, the one of the major infrastructure projects up there in the last few years was the train line that separated off at Petrie for the un, new university that was coming in there, and split off that went over to, that goes over to to Redcliffe. Now that yes, there is a growing and thriving population there. But Anzac Avenue that goes and that curved road down towards and into Brisbane where a lot of people were working was absolute gridlock every morning, nightmare traffic, people spent hours in their cars. It doesn't, it's from a lifestyle perspective, not great. So the encouraging and the building and the encouraging of people to use that train line, that um, makes people's lives a lot more pleasant, right? It makes it easier to live there. So from our investment, with our investment hats on, when it's nice to live somewhere because you can get to work easy, if you're working in Brisbane, then that's a big plus. That infrastructure project will create jobs, obviously, only for the short term, and will obviously employ conductors and, you know, train people for, 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 for a length of time. But you're also thinking about it then making that location more desirable to live in. So mm-hmm. even though, you know, the, the construction phase of it is shorter term, in terms of job creation, longer term makes the area more desirable because you're not spending six hours a day in traffic trying to get in and out of Brisbane. Right. Yeah. So how about areas that potentially aren't infrastructure-based but it's simply become unaffordable to live in a certain area so then people start to look at, well, the next area that they may have to live in and it might involve a longer commute? So, for example, the Central Coast and the Wollongongs Mm. and the Blue Mountains of this, this, obviously I'm from Sydney, Mm. Obviously, each state yeah. has its equivalent. Mm-hmm. How about that kind of growth and location? That, in all, just to bring it back to infrastructure, mm-hmm. those those areas will still grow in value, but they tend to be in fits and fits and bursts, if you like. So, the, the Central Coast is actually a fantastic example. So, when Sydney has a boom. Generally, you know, the lag will follow. The central coast will then boom because everybody here in Sydney is going, I'm not spending millions of dollars on a tiny little flat. I'm going to go somewhere. Get a house. Afford more, get out of town. But they are going to sit absolutely and they do make that sacrifice. I will sit on the train for an hour and a half each way. I will take that into consideration. So, but that has that is a short-term growth driver. That's Mm -hmm. not a sustained. You know, that's not Gosford City Council building infrastructure projects that benefit the local community. That, mm-hmm. that is a different growth driver. That yeah, okay. It's almost, if you like, an extrinsic growth driver. The yeah. Central Coast, the Blue Mountains, Wollongong. Wollongong's a bit of a different example, actually. But um, the, the Central Coast and the Blue Mountains will grow in value when Sydney gets too expensive. That's not something that's happening from within the central coast that's bringing people in, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it's just it's slightly different. So okay. if Gosford City Council do a lot more in terms of those projects and build more, which they're going to have to now because of the oh. exodus from Sydney, they've had to be dragged into the 21st oh. century. Sorry, Gosford City Council, but, you know, you're going to have to deal with it now. You've got all these Sydney siders wanting their good coffee. They're going to have to do those things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's a little bit different in terms okay. of growth driver, right? So what I'm talking about is something that is happening in that area because the council is planning ahead, not reacting because, you know, 
half a yeah. million Sydney siders yeah. have gone, whoa, I'm out of here, <laughs> right? So are there places where you can potentially have both? So whereby you might have absolutely moving to Queensland yes. because it, it all of a absolutely. sudden is more affordable yes. than Sydney and we're priced Absolutely, out. absolutely. Case but in point. Also infrastructure. Absolutely. So case in point would be the Sunshine Coast, yeah. Queensland, would be Ballarat, Bendigo, Geelong, Toowoomba. Uh, there are so many good areas that also within the capital cities themselves, it doesn't just have to be a regional, you know, Tam- mm-hmm. Bay in Brisbane, mm-hmm. Ipswich City Council, Logan City Council. You don't, gosh, I could go on forever. There are many, many great areas and councils who are doing a lot of infrastructure building and constructing because of growing populations to make people's work-life balance is better to improve jobs opportunities for people. Absolutely. That's that's happening all over the place. Central Coast, not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Watch this space. Mm-hmm. The next one would be the next one would be industry. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you need a diverse set of industries. And what I mean by industries are the it's the jobs that people have. Uh, what types of jobs do people have? Right. So typically you're looking at Retail, health, education, manufacturing, those kind of things, you know, the sort of types of industries that people work in. You mining. Need, you, mining. Oh, separate conversation. <laughs> nice one. I'll come back to that one. I'll come back to that one. But you need to ensure that there are enough diverse businesses in the location that you're looking to invest so that people are working locally. That mm-hmm. A, they have enough work, that they have enough work locally so that they are less itinerant. You know, they tend not to move around more. They stay put because there's enough work and enough diversity of work uh, so that they will spend their money nearby and locally and that they stay, their kids go to the school, they progress up the career ladder, they don't yeah. have to leave, you know, to, 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 to improve yeah. their work life. And diversity is important to ensure that an area is not dependent on one single industry, i.e. mining, or... Our industry, manufacturing. Right, exactly. Yeah, or tourism, right? So that... And and that the other industries in town aren't don't just exist to support that one particular industry, right? So you need to get to know how are people working, where are they working, what companies are there. If one of those industries, let's say you've got those, you know, you've got the big four, like in Mm -hmm. the big four is this probably the big three now, whatever, that if one of them falls over, there is still enough work for everyone and diverse work for everyone to stay. You don't want them leaving in droves because the car plant is closed down or a a big power plant is closed or whatever it is. Mm. So tourism towns, and this brings us back to conversation we had previously when, when, you know, when he said, what about the holiday? Or should I, you go on holiday, should I buy a holiday house here? I would 99% of the time say absolutely not (laughs) because that particular town is likely to be a one-horse town in terms of industry. It's going to be tourism and mm-hmm. everything else there supports that industry. So when wherever you are in the world, this is applicable, right? So here in Australia, when the Australian dollar is not favourable and we don't have as many tourists come in or there's a pandemic, 
and we close the entire continent off from the west of the world, mm. those kind of towns are going to suffer because there's no tourists who's coming. Yeah. yeah. So it, it can really, you know, you, you can really highlight, you know, you might think you're in a diverse and multi-industry town, but when this sort of thing happens, you go, actually, all these other industries support tourism or all these other industries support that one mining town. Mm-hmm. Right? Mining towns are particularly risky because of this, because they tend to be in very remote areas. At least with a tourism town, you aren't, you know, you, you tend to be somewhere close to other civilization, right? It's generally not the disaster that it can be if you own something right in the middle of Queensland where your nearest sheep station is six hour drive away. Yeah. Right. So, and I guess those mm. a lot of those places that have had that boom because we've had a pandemic and we've been locked in a, your state or in your country, um, and therefore the the rates are phenomenal for accommodation. Well, the minute we open doors to travel overseas, mm. um, or the minute your employer says mm. you have to go to the office four days a week yeah. or three days a week, yeah, <laughs> it, it might be a different situation for yes. the demand and supply in those areas. Yes, that's right. But my point is. Don't, you know, don't rely on that having to happen for you to get a tenant again, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. don't take that risk. Don't, yeah. you know, what why why put yourself through that, right? You need to be able to time those things really quickly. And I think COVID, you know, the time between COVID happening, us realizing, oh my gosh, this is this is serious to mm. the borders closing, it was a month, right? Mm-hmm. You would don't have time yeah. to the timing of your in and out, you know, your entry and exit of that investment, you know, you don't have time to do that kind of thing. Or before you've even realised, gosh, this is going to really impact my investment property. I'm not going to have a tenant, right? So diverse industries, crucial. It, It segues very nicely and it is different to the local economy. And the reason it's different is that you can have an area that has one industry but is economically very healthy, like mining, right? During a mining boom, the mining towns are economically very healthy. There is jobs growth, the employment rates are high, household income levels are high, regional gross product is good, you know, all those things mm-hmm. are increasing. Yeah. The, the, those indicators are, are good. But you can also have a town that has many, many industries, but is economically deflated, right? So you want them both. You need diverse industries and you need a very healthy, growing economy. All those indicators you need to check for. Unemployment rates, employment rates, right? Gross regional product. All those things are really important that they are steady, ideally growing. You know, you need to cut everything a bit of slack at the moment because of COVID. But if you're checking these fundamentals and that they're there, generally you would be okay long term, right? Mm -hmm. And then population. So it's not just how many are there now, but how many are there going to be in the future population projections and who are they? So kind of three things, right? So you need to assess population and demographic trends. This is crucial. It can provide that insight into anticipated property demand for your property that you're going to own there. So this insight or this knowledge, it can allow you to target areas with really strong and rising populations, right? It gives you a greater pool of prospective tenants 
but also buyers as and when and if you ever needed to sell. It's, it's crucial, right? And then the next bit, which is understanding the demographics of that area, which will help identify population shifts. So sometimes you'll have an area that it's all families, you know, but if you're finding that there are more diverse property types coming in, in terms of more townhouses, more units being built, there are more lone person households or more professional couples coming in, right? You need to understand who those people are so that you are buying the property type that is in demand from mm. those people, right? You die mm. ever saying this. Mm. You don't want to be buying a two-bedroom unit in a place that's full of families with two kids and two cars and they all want four-bedroom houses. You are yeah. going to sit vacant forever. You're going to wait for the, you know, the four people who are okay with the unit. You need to appeal to the masses. I have a client that, yeah. you know, went to a fancy seminar probably 15 years ago now and mm. and bought the one-bedroom apartment in an area way, way out of Brisbane um, where the infrastructure was coming. It just mm. hadn't arrived yet yeah. and everyone was buying houses and yes. was wanting to live in houses so had no tenants yeah. and the go. place didn't go up in value for many, 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 many years. Yes, right. And- probably a great area but wrong product. Yes, possibly, possibly. But then that brings us back to point number one. It has to have established infrastructure, right? Now, you can get away with that sometimes on the outer, you know, outskirts of capital cities, again, like here in Sydney or southern Brisbane, Melbourne, anywhere, where there's a lot of new housing being built, but there's just one road in and out. The schools aren't there yet. You know, the facilities aren't there yet. They're they're all sitting on that one road in and out for half an hour in the morning before they've even got to the rest of civilization. You know, mm. but people will they'll compromise on that because the property if they can get their hands on their dream property for for a reasonable price, right? Mm. So, but when you're investing, it's the it's investor might not a have a bit different. <laughs> it's a bit different, mm. right? Mm. So, when it comes to then again that property, like you said, who's living there? Why are they living there? And where in that location do they want to live? Again, you need to appeal to the masses. Don't buy that one-bedroom property where everyone's looking at four-bedroom houses, right? Mm. Look at the street, the suburbs, the amenities, the the transport options. Don't assume that everyone catches a train like we do in Sydney and Melbourne, right? In Brisbane, far fewer people catch trains. You know, in outer Melbourne, people really don't catch the train. Everybody drives. You know, parking is way more important than the proximity to train lines, right? So everything comes back to supply and demand, right? So check for local residential development projects. You don't want to be right next to 5,000 brand new homes, you know, and God forbid you've got the one bedroom unit, right? Mm -hmm. So I literally, I can talk to you about this the rest of the afternoon. (laughs) It sounds, it actually sounds quite intimidating, that there's so much at play yes, and I understand I why people say I want to buy something close to home yeah. because I know that area and they yeah. at least know yeah. that whereas yeah. yes. you know, sometimes they don't have the budget necessarily yeah. to afford to do that so they end mm. up buying the one bedroom mm. or the studio whatever it may be mm. but it sounds like they you really yeah. need to talk to an expert. And I guess that's where you come into play, Kate. Yeah. That's what you and your team do. It, of course it is, love. Yes. And that's kind of, you know, I don't mean to just sort of plug the service, you know, by saying this is really hard, but there is a there is genuinely a lot to consider, right? Yeah. You know, but but I will come back to say that the location is key, right? You, you are more likely 
even even if you buy a slightly inferior property in a great location, it is still likely to get dragged along by property growth, right? Just by being in a fantastic location with all those, with the infrastructure, with the diverse industry, with all those things that I've said. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you've bought a fantastic property, but Mm -hmm. in a really inferior location, you are going to sit there waiting for capital growth for the next 15 years. Yeah. And you can have the greatest cash flow in the world, but it's never going to grow in value, Mm. right? So Mm -hmm. the location is essentially what is it's key number one to driving actual growth. The property type will also, of course, make a difference and it will make a difference and ensure that you are more likely to get a quality tenant because you've bought the right property type, which will keep it in demand which will mean that you can sell it quicker because you've bought what the local people are looking for. That is when it's going to is going to drive your property growth. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah. That was great, Kate. That, uh, I just want to send it out to all my clients now. <laughs> but we'll try and get this podcast um, and also video. We're doing this as a video as well out to everyone as soon as possible. You can email us, by the way. So please, you can email me, kate at advisable.com.au and Tina. Tina at smartmove.com.au. There you go. Any property finance or property investment questions or any topics that you'd like us to cover. Just go for it. Let us know what you think. Stay very safe and well, everyone. We'll call it a day for now because otherwise we will definitely be here for the rest of the afternoon. Uh, Thank you so much, Tina. It's always fabulous to see you and be with you. Likewise. Thank you so much, Kate. And we will see you all again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. everyone hope that you found all that really useful and I didn't ramble on too much I could talk about this stuff all day obviously and now all your latest property news price growth is continuing in most markets across Australia with the latest CoreLogic figures revealing a 0.7% national increase in dwelling values in March. And this is up from 0.6% in February. Growth in house prices is being led by the smaller capital cities, notably Brisbane and Adelaide, as well as all our regional markets, with Sydney and Melbourne showing small decreases in March. Nothing to be concerned about, of course. These are just very small percentages. The highest March growth occurred in regional South Australia, would you believe, followed by regional Queensland, Brisbane, Adelaide and regional New South Wales. There was also a bit of growth in apartment markets, which a lot of those landlords will be pleased to hear, with 14 of those 15 market jurisdictions, which is our eight capital cities and seven state regional markets, recording increases in median prices in March. And these were led by regional WA and regional Queensland. In the March quarter, six of our markets, Brisbane, Adelaide, the regional areas of New South Wales, Queensland, South Australia and Tasmania, grew their house prices by 5% or more. 
In annual terms, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, Hobart, Canberra and the regional areas of New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland and Tasmania have all risen 20% plus. It is becoming even harder to find a rental property with new data revealing national vacancy rates hitting a record low 1% in March. Vacancies fell in five of our capital cities during the month, while they increased slightly in Hobart and held steady in Perth. Analysis shows that Adelaide's vacancy rate of 0.2% is the lowest vacancy rate ever to be recorded across any capital city since it began keeping records. Canberra, Darwin and Perth all have an all-time low vacancy rate of 0.5%. Sydney's vacancy rate is still a super low 1.4%. Melbourne's is 1.8%. Brisbane is at 0.7% and Hobart at 0.3%, while most regional markets have vacancies below 1%. Domain says that Australia is well and truly in a rental crisis, something that I've been talking about for absolutely months, which looks unlikely to ease anytime soon. It is being made worse by the reopening of international borders in recent months and, of course, all those natural disasters that we had. The reopening of borders is expected to increase demand for rental properties in Sydney and Melbourne in particular. Renewed interest from international buyers is expected to continue to drive new home sales now that international borders have and are continuing to reopen. While new home sales have been strong in the past two years as a result of financial stimulus measures such as Home Builder Scheme, developers are already reporting a return of international buyers. Now, some have told the Australian newspaper that 14% of the inquiries that they're receiving in the past month has come from overseas, with interest from Britain, New Zealand, Malaysia, China and Hong Kong at that forefront. Pent-up demand from overseas buyers who wanted to come here and work or study is coming through following the lifting of restrictions. By June, we are expecting the data to show a strong upswing in overseas buyer numbers. Predictions are that overseas buyers who have been effectively locked out for two years will move faster to buy in the coming years. Population forecasts predict overseas migration will return to pre-pandemic levels within the next two to three years. And that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and found it super useful. You can email us with any questions that you have on info at thefemaleinvestor.com.au. Don't forget to order a copy of the book, The Female Investor. You can go to your local bookstore, pick it up on Amazon or Booktopia or anywhere that good books are sold. And you can head to thefemaleinvestor.com.au where you can click on the links and also find lots of resources on property investing, news, hints, tips and videos. We will be with you all again soon. Stay safe and well, everyone. Bye for now. Bye for now.